Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I said we'll keep you all posted. If there's things that change or we, we get a check in our spirit where it is not the best decision for us and our church to meet together, we will let you know. You know, we're not going to run ignorantly. You know, if there's bullets going back and forth, we're not going to be one to say, oh, watch this, I'm going to run through the middle of them. We're not going to do that. God gives us wisdom also. He gives us of the ability to make the right decisions more often than not. You know, but we just don't want to respond just, oh, everybody else is canceling, so we are also. It's not what we're about, okay? So we want to definitely make sure we seek the heart of God in all of it. So, a few nuggets, and I'm going to share kind of quick. I know we got the kiddos in here, but, you know, uh, you know, we want faith over fear every single time. That's one of our hearts. That's one of our goals. That's one of the things that we want to focus on, faith over fear. We don't want to be people that are driven by fear, but that we are established in faith. We want to be people of prayer, not panic, okay? If you're panicking, maybe it's because you're not praying, because I've never seen one praying who's really, really panicking. You know, use that stress, use that anxiety, whatever's going on, and make sure that we are people of prayer because it allows, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to change anything, but that prayer releases the power of God into the situation. And how many of you know we need that right now? Unless God does something, it, can get, it could get really, really bad. And it still may get really, really bad. I don't want to be up here and say, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. We're going to see this thing turn around. But I know one thing for sure, that God is faithful in every season. He never lets His righteousness people, righteous people be forsaken. He never abandons us. He doesn't say, oh, you guys messed up to the point. Good luck. No, He is a perfect, loving Father. When we call on Him, He answers. When we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. And He is faithful and faithful and faithful. One thing I'm so mindful of is in this situation, it's not like God fell off the throne and got, got completely thrown off by this whole situation. You know, He knows the seasons. He knows the times. But I know one thing, that He uses each of these opportunities to shift our heart, to shift our focus, to shift our motive towards Him. Because in the heart of God, He wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to the knowledge of who He is. And sometimes bad things get the biggest harvest. We're just in a comfortable culture, guys, to where if it's not bad, we're okay doing our own thing and we don't need God. So I'm not saying that we always want to get to that place because of our passivity, but those moments that we are, we trust and we believe God to continually remain faithful in every season. So faith over fear, prayer over panic. Trust over toilet paper. We're joking, guys. Lighten up. Trust over toilet paper, right? You know, it's just, it's just funny to see the panic of some certain things that people... That's definitely not the first thing. If I could go grab five items, probably, that's not the first five I'd grab. Maybe number five of that I would grab, but that is not the first thing I would grab for Survival 101. But we want to be people of peace. We want to be people of power. And we want to allow God to be God in this whole situation. Amen. So the title of the message today is, Do What He Says. It's so relevant because it matters right now. Uh, 
you know, I very rarely watch the news, but I have been watching the news because I want to know what you're watching. I want to know what you're being exposed to. And if I were to just base it on what the news is saying, it's a very horrific event. You know, I mean, this is this is the end. The discombobblement of the stock market, all of these things, this, you know, quarantining, all of these, all these fearful things, right? You know, but if our trust is in the system, that's always been an unstable system anyway, guys. We have to put our trust and our focus in something that is steadfast. And the ability to hear the voice of God and to be sensitive to the Spirit of God in a season like this will make a big difference. You know, you're going you're gonna to have the appearance of people that have hope. Why? Because we are connected to the lifeline of Jesus Christ and we hear the voice of God. We know the voice of God. When we get a little bit nervous, we feel the peace of God come over us and we are okay. Doesn't mean that it's not bad around us, but we will be okay, guys. We are going to make it. So one of the hardest things in life is learning to do what, what you're asked to do. Have you ever learned that rule? Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what I'm asked. I want to do what I want to do, right? That's always the, the, the fight that's within us deep down. You know, it's hard because either we don't want to do what we're told to do, or we don't want to be told what to do. I mean, pick, pick whichever one you want. I mean, I know, you know, when I was a young man growing up, you guys have heard me reference my stupid years. Like those were in my stupid years of where I was growing up thinking I knew everything and I knew it all. Lo and behold, I was very ignorant and prideful. I did not know everything. And the people that were giving me advice were doing it for my well-being, not for my own destruction. If they would have allowed me to continue to walk in my own foolishness, it would have led me to complete destruction. Now, there's moments even in our ignorance, we get right on the fringe of our own destruction, but it's only by the grace of God that He rescues us back and He comforts us and He helps us get through that. By the rod of correction, or the church, or people that love us, or mom and dad grabbing us by the shirt collar and ripping us three foot off the ground. Whatever it takes for, that to, for us to begin to hear and to listen and to do what we're told, to hear what's being said and doing what, what, what he says. Because if we can't learn this in the natural, how can we learn this in the spiritual? If we aren't people that like to listen and follow instructions, we'll be a, it's going to be very, very hard serving a God that knows everything, that sees the whole picture, that knows the end from the very beginning of it. And when we look at the big picture of it, that we can trust God. It's really, really easy to do something we want to do, but that moment that we're asked to do something that we're not or takes us out of our comfort zone, what if you were down to your last roll of toilet paper and God said, give it to your neighbor? Oh, wait a minute. I can't do that. Well, what if God tells you to? Do it anyway. Reap the... Be rough, Right? You'll never die for a lack of toilet paper, I'll tell you that. Doesn't mean that your life will be comfortable, but you won't die from it. So it's, it, when we're asked to do something that we don't want to do, uh, you know, I remember at work, you know, that my bosses would come to me, they'd say, hey, by the way, you're working this weekend, I hope you didn't have any plans. You ever had that one pulled on you? It's like, hey, thanks for asking, right? You know, but they, they never say anything like, hey, I know Monday's coming up and Mondays are hard, so, so go ahead and stay home. I'll pay you for the day off, said no boss ever. You know, that's why everybody, nobody likes Monday. But can you imagine, you know, like if you were asked to go home on Monday, hey, yeah, paid, man. But on the flip side, when you're asked to do something you don't want to do, what is our response? 
How do we respond to that? You know, uh, I remember when I worked at STP, man, the job description always got more intense. There was always more requirements. They never said, you know what, we're going to completely change your job, job description. We're going to make it a lot simpler for you. Oh, no. It's a juggling act, guys. You know, you're juggling, they throw another one at you, and we are by no means professional jugglers where you can keep, I'm going to, I mean, I just, there's a certain threshold of what you can carry, right? But, you know, be, you know, doing what we're told. If I wanted to keep that job, guess what I had to do? Do what they told me. Now, I told them, I said, listen, I'll do all I can. All of these may not get done because I think you're asking too much, but I will strive to do everything you ask me. That was always my contingency, like little, the no econo clause to what I was being asked to do because I wasn't going to get fired for not doing what I was asked, but I would try to accomplish it. Okay? So one of the skills that we have to learn to be successful in life is following instructions and directions. I had a pastor friend this last week tell us a story about his grandson, and his daughter was having a lot of issues with the grandson following instructions. So, so the grandson was over at you know, um, the pastor's house. So all week he was saying, hey, you need to listen to your mom. You need to, you need to, when she tells you to do something, you need to say yes, ma'am. You know, he was trying to ingrain the response that the mom was getting and he really felt like he was making some ground. You know, he was doing good. Yes, sir. And, you know, you're going you're gonna to listen to your mom when you go home? Yeah, I sure will. You know, and he got to the very end of that weekend. And, you know, the father talked to the daughter and said, hey, I think it really, really went good. And as the young boy was walking out, and he stops and he leans over and he says, Paul, Paul, I'm the boss of me and walked out. He didn't learn his lesson. He thought he was in charge. He thought he was the boss. I am the boss of me. And as we, if we think that, we will have a very difficult time receiving any instruction. Now, I'm about to make a segue, and you're about to see why it matters so much, being able to be obedient. Because the moment God asks you to do something you don't want to do, if you have not learned in this lifetime to follow instructions and discipline and be obedient, even in your workplace or as a child or as a son, as a daughter, as a son-in-law, whatever the dynamic is, if you cannot do it then, how can you do it before God? Because if you have a tendency to, to buck the system and you hate being obedient, you don't want to do what you want, what others are asking you to do. And you say, I am the boss of me. I know better than you. You know, you ever thought that? And sometimes you might. You've been there, somebody's trying to explain something to you that you really know how to do. Like Pastor Jim, he is, a, he is an A-plus mechanic. It would be like me trying to explain something. Well, let me show you how to... Man, he is skilled at that craft. I got carpenters in the church. I don't try to build it. I just tell them what I want built. But it'd be like me going to say, oh, I think you need to anchor it there. I think you need to support, you know, like, man, that would not be the place that, that I would need to do that, right? You know, so, so we, see, we see this thing of where we just really have to listen. We have to be obedient. If we look at the passage, and I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase and reference it just for the sake of time. But if we look, look at Luke 5, 1 through 11, it's the story of the calling of the first disciples. And, and most of you know the story. You know, the disciples were, were out cleaning their net. Jesus was walking along and, you know, he was preaching the gospel to those around. And he goes up to Simon. He says, hey, let me, let me get in your boat and we're going to push out a little bit. And then I'm going to continue to preach you know, from the boat, but they were, they were busy doing their work. They were working. They were washing their nets. They had already completed all of the work for the day. Get over here to this passage. You know, so 
He says, he said, let's put out into deep waters, you know, and then and, and let me preach, you know, and, um, you know, I kind of wonder of what type of relationship did, did Simon have with Jesus? You know, if, I, if you just walk up to me and you ask me to put, finish, quit doing what I'm doing, put my nets up, get in my boat, push out in my boat so that you can preach or do whatever you're doing. Like, if I don't have any relationship with you, I'm like, it's a big act, man, buddy. I got to finish. I, you know, it's the weekend. I got to go back to work on Monday. I'm trying to, you know, I'm weekend bound, right? That's that Friday right before you get off, and now you're inconvenienced. You know, and you make that choice. What are you going to do, right? So he got into one of the boats. They pushed out. You know, and, and then, then he stops. You know, he taught the people from the boat. And when he, in the verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep waters and let down the nets for a catch. So they had fished all night. And at that moment, Simon, I'm sure, I mean, I guess he did it respectfully. You know, you can only guess, but I think he put on that pretty face of saying, Now, Jesus, I know better. I'm a fisherman. We've done this all night. But he responds, he says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So that was his being nice. He said, we already tried it, but there was something that changed. He said, but because you say so, didn't matter on Simon's opinion. He said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So then they let him down, and when they did so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boat. They said, come help them. You know, we, we can't fit. We're, we're filling both boats, and the boats literally began to sink. So then there's a response from Simon Peter. In verse 8, he says, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So we see a shifting in Simon Peter's life of where at first it was just, it, it was, he, said, he, used, he used the word um, uh, master, which really means teacher, you know, because they knew he was a teacher. Like, I mean, if I'm a preacher, you may say, Hey, you know, you might call me a teacher because you know I teach. For a profession, there was knowledge of what Jesus did, so he called him master, which that word in the Greek actually meant teacher. Well, then you see a shifting of when this began to happen. There was a shifting in Simon's life. He didn't know any longer call him teacher, but he called him master. So when we look at that word master, that, that begins to change everything because the word master or Lord, you know, the word Lord that he uses there is a supreme authority. The Kairos, it is God himself. There was a shifting. There was an understanding of who he was, and he acknowledged that. He said, I'm a sinful man. And then he looks at the disciples. They're all astonished of the catch of fish they had taken. And it says, with them were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything and followed them. So we have to have a little bit of backstory in this story of Simon. Because why, why would he do all of this? Why would he allow Jesus to use the boat? Why would he fall? Why would this perspective change? Well, if we roll back just a little bit and we look at Luke 4, verse 38, this is what it says. 
It says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. This is the same guy. So Jesus had just spent time in his home. He said, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and he rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up and at once and began to wait on them. So just the day before, just moments before, Jesus had been in the house. He released healing into Simon's mother. And there was this process of this faith unto believing who he was. There was already credibility in who Jesus was in Simon's life. But it got him from that place of, of, of finding Jesus as master and finding Jesus as Lord. It changed everything. But he had to do what Jesus asked him to do. What if he just said, go find another boat? We've already finished working. Look, they haven't even washed their nets yet. Ask them to take, you know, he would have missed it all if they wouldn't have done what was asked. So I often wonder what went through the fisherman's mind when they were being coached by Jesus on how to do a job that they were professionals at doing. So have you ever had, have you ever had anyone try to give you advice on something that you were a professional at? You know, things that you say, man, I'm really good at that, but you just you listen to them, you just hear them, right? How well do you take that? Do you allow them to speak into their li- in your lives? You may, you may be listening deep down, but deep down you're saying, I know better than you. And I got a super, super short clip just to, to, point, to give this perspective. Hey there. Is there a project you're working on? I know more than you. All right. <laughs> Play it one more time because maybe somebody missed it. You know, have, have we ever, is that, it's just face to the hand, I'm moving on. I don't care what you have to say, I know more than you. I'm the boss of me. But what we're really looking at, it's super funny, but are we like that towards God? Well, we don't want to do what he says. We think we know right. And I'm the boss of me. And what he really asks is, will you do what I say? Because when we, when we do what he says, we will see the results. We will see the provision. We will see the, golf, the, 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 the calling of what God has called us to. I think when Jesus said, hey, you'll now be fishers of man, they were like, huh, I'm going to follow you now because I've never seen that. And they pursued him. And they followed him. They left everything, guys. When we're dealing with something that we're confident in, we tend to not ask for help. Or receive guidance. But the moment we are, we are in a bind, all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, the response is, Oh, Lord, show me what to do. I don't know what to do. There's panic. There's fear. Whatever. You know, all of these things that you know, we've been talking about that we do not want the church to be. But the reality is when we are in that position, that's our response. We're good when everything's smooth and gravy. When everything's hard and rough and we don't know what to do and we see all kinds of destruction around us, we freak out. We just do. And then at that moment, Lord, show me what to do. And he's like, you big dummy. I've been trying to tell you the whole time. You just don't like to listen. I tend to say, if you haven't heard from God lately, go back to the last thing he told you to do and were you faithful to do that? 
But I don't want to do that. I didn't ask you if you wanted to do it. I asked, did you do it? Because what, what God wants is obedience every single time. And when we ask that question, Lord, show us what to do with all these events going on with the outbreak right now of this COVID-18. You know, this is, this is maybe perhaps where many of us are today. Lord, show us how to respond. What do we do? But when he shows you what to do or he says something, be confident in what he says or do what he's asked you to do. So God has given us his word that guides us in all things. And, and, and it's what God expects from us. Did you, know, did you know this is God's guide to life? Every situation, don't matter what you say. Well, what about this? You can find the answer in here. The steps you need to take, the guidance that you need to, to, uh, to have peace, you know, calm amongst the storm, whatever it is, the answer is there. It is the guide in all things. James 1.22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, period. Do what it says. That's one of the biggest things that preachers plead with, with the church over. Say, hey, I can sit up here and preach all day long, but if you don't apply the word, it's of no value to you. And you will never change. You know, to begin to have change in your life, you have to change habits. You have to change the action that is happening to change the result. If the action changes, the results change. But you can't do the exact same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity. I do the exact same thing every time. I don't understand why I get the same results every time. It's because we're doing the exact same thing. And maybe we are not modeling our actions based on the Word of God, but by our own understanding. And that's something God wants to show us. So when we read the Word of God, we have to see it as God speaking directly to us. Do we ever read it like that? Man, think of, think of any scripture. For, you know, John 3, 16, For God so loved me that He gave His one and only Son that I should not perish, but that I should have everlasting life. Think of it when we think of it in reference to us, that this is God's perfect love letter for his children. When we look at it and we read it like that, man, you know, you know, I remember this is a long time ago, my wife used to always write little doodles and little love notes and like, hey, thinking of you, doesn't happen no more. It's like, hey, we're never going to, I'll never get them. It's more like, hey, get milk, eggs, and whatever. I'm getting, if I'm getting a handwritten note, we just don't get it. But I remember, you know, and think about it. Go back. Some of you guys are like, that's a long time ago. Think about it. When you would get a note from someone that loved you and that you loved, guys, put your man card up just for a minute. But how many of you would, would be so excited deep down and you'd open it and you just would want to see what it says? And you're like, oh, it's like, oh, I love you, babe. That's it. But it meant the world to you. And you were so intentional. I mean, God forbid, like, she comes back, did you read it? And I'm like, no, I threw it away. I didn't read it. I didn't care what it said. My wife would have never married me. If I didn't care what she had written to me out of a heart that loved me. So guys, make that same connection with the Word of God. God wrote this love letter for us to give us direction in everything that we would need. Say, Lord, I can't take it. I don't know what to do. He says, I've already given you the instruction manual. I have every response, how you should respond in everything. Already at your fingertips, but very few of us crack the book and really see what it says.
I know a lot of us really look for specifics, you know, and I've talked about it. The, the, the reason the Holy Spirit lives within us is because the Holy Spirit will give the specific guidance, but the Bible always gives the general guidance. It never said in here that Noe was to marry Becky. I was looking all through. I couldn't find it. But it was only by the Spirit of God that led me to that. But there is so much value in just reading the Word of God and doing what it says or what He says. Because we have to see it as written from the hand of God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit of God's perfect love letter written to us. Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. I'm going to read this whole passage because I think it's really, really good. Verse 9, it says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it was sent. Verse 12, it says, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into songs before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of thorn bushes will grow a pine tree. Instead of a briar, a myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for, the ever, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. So when we look at these promises of what God has for His redeemed, what He has for His renown, for His people, we never get shortchanged. God always lavishes greatness on us. Goodness. Why? Because we're His children and we serve a great, great Father. I always find it so interesting that people love these blessing scriptures that comfort us, but they shy away uh, from the scriptures that ask us to be Christ-like. I've been there, done that. You know, it's like, man, I don't like that one. just want to kind of tear it out and get rid of it. I don't like that one. But we have to understand when it's from the heart of God and, and He has our best interest in mind every single time, that when He asks me to do something, if I do what He says, it will turn out better than if I don't do what He says. Every time. You may say, God, that's hard. I don't know how to walk that out. Just make the choice and I'll help you walk it out. Promise is always to be with us. The principle of laying down our lives. Giving rather than receiving. Serving rather than being served. I think these are these things that really characterize Christ followers. Do I enjoy serving rather than being served? Do I enjoy giving rather than getting? Would I be willing to lay down my life for the sake of others? We see these traits all through Christ, and if they were in Christ, they should also be in us if He was within us. Let me let you, on and let, you, let you in on a little secret this morning. If you want all the riches and good promises that are available all through the Word, all God demands of us is immediate and every single time obedience. Because that is the key that unlocks all these promises. You have to do what He says. Well, I don't want to. don't matter. You've got to do what He says if you want to reap the benefits of being His child.
On good days, my children reap great benefits. On bad days, maybe they reap the rod. But it's always in a response because I love them. You have to understand, he's like, man, Lord, I feel like you're whooping me today. Hey, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need in your life. There's moments we need both, guys. It says he, he, he disciplines those he loves. He doesn't want lawless children. He wants, he wants children that hit the mark, that do what he says, that do what he asks. So we have to do what he says. So if I do what he says, we trust him that he will do what he says. That's one thing, we, a promise that we have. We trust that he'll do what he says. We have confidence in him when, when, uh, when he do, that he will do what he says he will do. And if we love him, we'll do what he says. Like all of these things are tied together. Doing what he says shows that we love God and we have relationship with him and we care about pleasing God. Every single time. One thing I've learned over the course of my life is that in, in reading the story of, of people all through the Bible, that God's Word will come to pass every single time. But the thing that we don't like is sometimes is the time frame. Say, God, your watch broke. thought you were going to come through a long time ago. But God is faithful. What He says He will do, He will do. He is going to come back for a spotless bride, guys. He is going to come for a strong, established church. We will have to fight for our, our belief. We will have to be bold. We will have to be courageous. I know for us that live in a fast-paced world, though, sometimes we get in a hurry. You know, we want God to hurry up. You know, this is something we're not good at. We want it right now. When we go through a drive-thru, we don't want to sit in the drive-thru for 45 minutes. If we wanted to do that, we'd go sit down in the restaurant. We go through the drive-thru, so it's quick. It's when it, we, get it, we get it and we can go. Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who hope, that word also is defined as wait on the Lord, the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So as I was looking at this passage, there's really three speeds of travel in this passage. They're soaring. There's running, and there's walking. So what you can see from this, though, is regardless of the pace that we're moving at, we will never grow weary, and our strength will be secured. Because if you look in the room, if we, got on, if we got on the mark right here, and we say, on your mark, you set, go. Oh, you'd have a big variance of... You'd have some, the young ones, running like they could run forever. Then you got that mid-gap that you run because you have to, not because you want to. And then you have them old ones that say, I ain't even going to try. There's going to be movement, but, but God in His Word promises that security, that we will run and not grow weary, and that our strength will be secured. We will not faint. So when we walk in obedience to God and we do what He says, we allow the Word of the Lord to prevail, not my potential. You have to understand, guys, that my potential can fail, but God's Word stands firm and will never, ever, ever fail. You guys know that we don't, we don't struggle. We, well, we shouldn't struggle with the things that the world struggles with. We should trust in a mighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, the immovable rock of who He is, mighty in battle on our behalf. 
My God will never fail, and His Word will never fail. You guys declare that when we say, My God and His Word will never fail. Now say it so that you believe it. My God and His Word will never fail. So the moment the enemy tries to tell you, Hey, well, what about this? Hey, ah, uh-uh. my God and His Word will never, ever fail. So this morning, do you believe that, that God still knows what He's doing? Yeah. It's a big deal, right? Because if, if, I, if I don't believe that God is, uh, if, if He's lost control, if He missed something, if He fumbled, then I need to fear and fret. But if I believe that God still has it all together and He is still on His throne and He has it all in His hands, then I can rest assured that it's going to be okay. Look at one more guy real quick who had a problem with obedience. Story of Naaman, the leopard, right? So he was a mighty warrior and accomplished great things, you know, for his king in the name of the Lord, but he had leprosy. And if we look at this story, uh, it's really a simple story, but I really think that it, it ties home to our response sometimes. Sometimes we don't want to do what we're told to do because we think it's foolish or it's just like, why, why would God ask me to do that? Wouldn't he ask me to do something more challenging? So we, we look at this story, and is what happened, you know, in one of these raids, they actually captured a young girl from Israel. And she knew of, of the prophet Elijah, who was from her hometown place. So when, when they found out, and, and this, this, this servant girl actually told the wife of Naaman, and said, hey, well, if he would go talk to this prophet, he would be healed. So you know what wives do, they talk to husbands. It doesn't say this, but you know that if they told the wife, the wife said, hey, honey, you need to go over here. This girl says that there is a prophet in Israel that can, that can cleanse your leprosy. So it goes to his master and says, hey, you know, I've heard this. He's like, by all means, go. So he takes all of this wealth. He takes all of these gifts, you know, that he can lavish, you know, on him when he gets there as a prize of restitution for him receiving his healing. So he goes to this place and... Uh, so what he does first, though, he goes to the king of Israel and says, Hey, I'm here to be cleansed. And the king began to tear his robes. And he says, Am I God that I can do these things? Even the king of Israel knew that I cannot do these things. And, but it just so happened, and I don't know if the prophet was sitting in the other room drinking coffee, what was going on. But he walks in and he says, King, what's the matter? He says, This guy comes to me with leprosy and says, I can't, you know, he wants me to make him well. And he says, You know what? Send him to me. Because I'm going to show them that there is still a prophet in Israel. Which which he was saying that there is still a God of Israel that has power and authority to even cure leprosy. So if we were just to stop there, it's so powerful because that's the hope we have as the church, guys. We have a powerful God who is, is more than able to do all of these things. To supernaturally heal and restore that we could recover so let's look, let's look at Nahum's life because I think it points the picture of do we really do what God asks us to do? Because So he says, hey, send them to me. So he, he shows up and uh, so Nahum, you know, starting it. So in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, if you want to go back and read this, you can read this whole story for yourself. But in 2 Kings chapter 5, it says in verse 9, it says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped by the door of Elijah's house. So this was a big triumphal entry type thing. Man, it was a, probably a spectacle. Like if it happened in base, you can be like, oh, what is going on? 
I mean, it's not just your normal thing. And so they knock on the, they knock on the door. So this is what Elijah does. I guess he was still drinking coffee. So what he does, he sends a messenger to Naaman. And he says, to the messenger, says, go tell him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be made cleansed. Now Naaman got mad. He said, this prophet didn't even come talk to me. Doesn't he know who I am? He sent a messenger to tell me and now he tells me to go wash in the Jordan. Now, over there, they had good rivers and they had bad rivers. The Jordan was not the good river. It was the, the dirty. It was not, you know, as, as nice. And he, he compared it to two other rivers. He said, man, why could, it would be better. You know, he was being prideful. He was being arrogant. He said, it would, it would be better. Wouldn't it be better if I could go to these two rivers over here versus the Jordan River? So he's all mad. He's, he's ticked off about it. You know, he does not respond well. He did not want to do what he was told to do. You know, and I, you know, I almost feel like at that point, God would just be like, you don't want to do, that's it. But luckily, same, same thing happens. When they get back, the servant, the, the named servant, says, the same little girl, very insignificant, but very strategically placed, said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So then in verse 14, it says, So then he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like the, young, like, like the skin of that of a young boy. A little hard-headedness there, right? You see the initial response, and I don't know how much time happened like in between that. If he's mad, he went because, I mean, he went back. The servant girl told him, said, if you would have just done it, hard-headed man, you know, like, I probably wouldn't have taken that well either. Who's the servant to tell me, you know, I'm, I'm king in chief here. Like, who are you as a servant to tell me what to do? You know, if anything, that would have even been even a, just a kind of even a sharper jab. But there was truth in that. But then his response changed everything. He did what he was asked. But he almost missed it because of his pride and arrogance. So when we humble ourselves before the Lord, he promises to lift us up. Those who are prideful and arrogant, he will humble. But guys, I don't want that to be the process. I would rather us humble ourselves and allow God to exalt us in his timing rather than being prideful and arrogant. So how do we respond in closing? I think first and foremost, we plead to the Lord of heaven and earth. On behalf of America, for those who maybe have rejected the United States as a, as a nation under God, you know, because I've heard those statements recently, and it's, it's just, America is no longer a Christian nation. And I'm kind of like, said who? I didn't allow that. I don't take, I don't believe that. God can have whatever nation He wants, and the people that call on His name, He will come and rescue. I didn't declare that. Now, you may have. But our response is asking that God would release forgiveness, that He would begin to heal and restore our land, that we, would, that we would ask God to begin to pardon those who in their ignorance and pride have not yielded to Him as God, who have made that statement saying, I the boss of me, and you don't tell me what to do. But I think God is desiring a country, a world that is dependent on Him.
So it's time for the church to cry out, to stand strong and trust in the Lord. God is still on His throne today, and He is not easily shaken. You guys stand up with me, and we'll get out of here. Um, man, I really believe that this week, if not this week, in the weeks to come, you are going to have the opportunity to encourage someone. They're going to be looking for answers. There's going to be uncertainty. They're going to tell you all kinds of stuff that they saw on the news. I promise it's going to happen. Uh, but I would encourage you, read your word, have something to show them, say, yes, but let me tell you what this book says. And we begin to make sure that we are communicating God's perspective on this whole epidemic, chaotic thing going on right now. I can't promise you that it's going to get better, but I can promise you that God is going to be faithful and that His, His church will grow through this. These are these moments where there is a shift where you start seeing people come to church and never come to church. Now, we still don't want to be judgmental and say, oh, now you're here, huh? Where you been when everything was good? You know, we don't want to be like that, but we want our heart as a church and our responses that all would come to the knowledge of Christ, that all might be saved and have the same peace and confidence that we have. But if I have received peace, guess what? I can give peace. If I've received salvation, guess what? I can give salvation. That little thing that says, freely you have, have received, freely give. That word freely is unconditional, guys. Oh, you better come to church. You better get right first or you ain't out. Come on. You were ugly and all kinds of sinful when you got saved, if you really look at it. You just got cleaned up a little bit. So I'm just going to pray over you guys, and we'll just allow the Lord to have His way in Matagorda County, United States, globally, that, that He would just be, be king of the earth. And that as, as God encourages you to pray, that you'd pray and I want each of you to be led by the Spirit of God. Do not be led by fear in your response to whatever we do. That's going to be our, our stance as a church. And uh, like I said, we are going to do our utmost best to do what's healthy and what's safe for all of us. We're not going to be ignorant, but we will be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.